Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Sexually Liberated Woman podcast is supported by Shockrubs. Shockrubs makes beautiful handcrafted sexual wellness products from 100% pure crystal. Crystals are a natural earth-made material that help to awaken higher levels of consciousness, work through emotional imbalances, and heal deep core wounding. Take all of that and put it in sex toy form and you've got yourself a mighty orgasmic tool. I have my own chakra that's made of 100% rose quartz, which is this really beautiful, soft pink colored crystal that helps me cultivate self-love, opens my heart chakra, and heightens my capacity to feel pleasure. And my orgasms are incredible. So if you want to bring sacredness and a little witchiness to your erotic life, head to chakrabs.com and use the code LIBERATION to get 10% off your purchase. That's C-H-A-K-R-U-B-S dot com, promo code LIBERATION. And may your orgasms be plentiful. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. I'm Evian Whitney and I'm really excited to bring you today's episode because I have a very special guest with me today. He's someone who knows me and my body very well. We've been close friends and lovers for almost 10 years. He's my partner in crime, my ride or die, my primary partner and husband, Jonathan Mead. So in my last episode, I talked about how we've recently opened up our marriage again and have been dating and having sex with other people. And I thought it would be great for us to sit down and talk candidly about our experiences together, what we learned and how we managed to cope with everything, including jealousy and other hard emotions that came up. This unfiltered conversation happened as we were seated on the floor of our bedroom, so that's why you might notice a little background noise throughout, but it's not so bad and it shouldn't take away from our chat. We've got a lot to get into, including our top three things we learned from being opened, and we also answer some of your questions regarding opening up and other poly stuff. So let's get into it.
A lot of people have been asking me a lot of questions about our relationship and how it was that we got to this point in our relationship to begin polyamory. And I felt like before we begin this discussion, we should start with that origin story. Because I was raised in a monogamous household. You were also raised in a monogamous household. Like this didn't just happen because we were preconditioned to it. It wasn't the way we were raised or taught. Right. It kind of actually went against everything that we've been taught about marriage and relationships. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? Sure, I can start. So I guess for a long time, I've kind of, at a, at a theoretical level or at a philosophical level, I've thought that there's something very strange about monogamy or being committed to only one person or I guess even deeper than that, not necessarily that commitment to one person, but this idea that you have one true love. And that's like the only person that you could ever be with or be truly fulfilled with at a like the deepest level possible. I think that's the kind of story that we get told. And I've always kind of felt that ah, that doesn't seem right to me. I feel like I could love more than one person. I feel like, you know, just like I could have more than one passion in my life, there's room for more love in my heart than just one person so wait you knew this before you and I got together I I kind of knew it but it really wasn't at the surface for me it was just kind of something in the background I kind of thought and you know I've always been the type of person that questions everything and um yeah (laughs) sometimes to uh, other people's dismays uh yeah (laughs) I'm I'm the kind of disruptor in our relationship I um, the one that kind of dismantles everything and is like, what, yeah. is, what is this? That's well, Jonathan's role. And I'm like the lighthouse that's like trying to guide us back to, right. to safety. What are we doing? Where are we going? <laughs> so I've, I've kind of always thought about this, but I, I guess I kind of pushed it out because I was just going along with the, you know, template that we have for relationship in our culture, which is monogamy. And it wasn't until I guess a couple of years into our relationship maybe two or three years that there was this incident where uh, someone told me that they had feelings for me and I reciprocated those feelings and I wasn't sure what to do about that because we were obviously in a very monogamous relationship. And I knew if I brought this up, I was very scared to bring this up because I knew it would really rock you and it would, you know, cause a lot of disruption. And it did because, it did, yeah. so before we hit record, Jonathan, you were telling me about like the string of events that led up to this conversation that you and I had about polyamory. Like I'd never even heard that word until apparently we watched this documentary about these people in the 70s living in a commune. Yeah. And like the California Hills or whatever. And apparently it's just now coming to me, but apparently we watched that documentary together the day after you had that conversation. Yeah, it was it was the day after I had the conversation with this other person and I remember us watching this documentary on our couch and I was really uncomfortable because I knew I knew that I had to bring up this conversation with you. Yeah. And 
just watching it and having to sit through that documentary made me super uncomfortable. And I had um, no idea that you, should we give this person a name, like a, an alias? Should we say like, her name is Susan? Sure. Okay. So I had no idea that you and Susan were doing this thing together. Right. But but for some reason, I picked this documentary on Netflix and I was like, hey, let's watch this today, which is really random. And so the next day, I, I remember sitting down with you kind of going like, do you think that this would ever be something that you'd be into? Like just yeah. being very hypothetical because I'm a hypothetical person. Evian always asks these super <laughs> hypothetical situ- like situational questions like, what would you ever do if a stripper like knocked on your door and like wanted to dance for you? Like, would that be something you'd be okay with? <laughs> or like, but what if what if the stripper was like really tall or hairy? But anyway, getting getting off track. So I, I think it was in that vein that we had this conversation, or I started this conversation around. So what do you think about that? Like that was a crazy documentary. And that's when like you unfurled and told me pretty much everything about this developing relationship that you right. guys had been having. Right. And I remember expressing to you, this is my ability. I, I feel like I, at the time, you know, I was very young still and I was maybe 23 and I remember expressing it, but really not knowing how to talk about it. But I would say that I had this ability to love other people. Yeah, I remember you saying and that. And <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> everyone was like, what the fuck? I, Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. You freaked out. Mm-hmm. It really rocked our relationship. It made, you know, us question a lot of things. Yeah. I think one of the things that it really brought up in, into light for me was, you know, this ability versus... Like, is that what I really want? Or is that, and I remember you asking me, like, is this something you need mm. to have in your life? Like, like you need to fulfill being polyamorous or having yeah, an open or relationship. You, or you couldn't be fulfilled, like, as a person, as right. a human. And I remember thinking, and, and you would tell me, like, no, this is something that, like, that isn't a requirement for me to feel happy in my life. Like, I am willing to be monogamous with you. And that never felt right to me. Like, it never felt right that you would have to shut off a part of yourself in order to be with me. And so there were talks about potentially breaking up, like getting a divorce, because I just did not feel comfortable with this idea of you denying a part of yourself because I wasn't in a place to be able to accept it, understand it. And I remember, like, talking to my mom about this like because I was freaking out I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do and I mean the the responses that I was getting from people were just like man this is crazy like this just sounds like he's trying to cheat on you but in like this really like slick like a con like a con sort of way and yeah it was it was really rough I do remember us Finally, like, I mean, and this was like weeks and weeks of us sitting down and talking and trying to figure out like, how is this going to work? And like, is my marriage really okay? And can I believe that like, he'll be okay if this part of him isn't being acknowledged? And I think we got to a place of stability where I told you, or I remember telling you like, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to be okay with this. Like polyamory is not something that I want to be a part of. Like I am monogamous. Mm -hmm. I only want to be with you. And 
that's just the way it's going to be and I'm going to take it at face value if you say that this is something that you don't need in your life for your life to feel fulfilled then like yeah I I I want to be with you and this this is just the sacrifice that you're going to have to make and so does that sound right like that yeah. we had that conversation so so I remember us kind of coming to this place of like all right we're just monogamous Jonathan is going to like figure his shit out and then several months later I found myself having feelings for someone <laughs> And that, mm-hmm. com- yeah, <laughs> that completely threw us off our, just like off of our stability and, and our understanding and our under, with the, right, with each other. right. Yeah. That, that really shook us up and it made me realize like, wow, I mean, and there are a lot of things that were tangled into that with like my bisexuality and me coming to this place of wanting to explore what it would be like to be with women and realizing that I'm super young and... Right. You were like one of the only people that I've ever had sex with. And so there's a lot of things intermeshed with that. But I think after that, that's when we decided like, all right, like this is something that we need to think about, like something that we need to actually consider as a possibility. Exactly. In our relationship. Exactly. Rather than it being a, you know, OK, this is a hypothetical thing that could happen, but we're choosing not for it to not happen. And I think for me that was really a a big moment of breakthrough for me realizing because at the the time I don't think I even really understood at first what the difference between something being like a possibility for me and something being like oh I'm capable of loving more than one person versus like I need this in my life or I won't be fulfilled yeah and I think that's that's something that everyone kind of has to figure out and something I definitely had to figure out was, do I need this or is it something I could, it could be possible and I could take it or leave it. But at first, even just bringing it up was like, oh, whoa. Right. It just created this big kind of explosion because even to admit the possibility was to kind of like question and shake the foundations of our monogamy. Yeah. And like the question love and intimacy and relationships and like is it possible to really love someone with your whole heart but also desire someone else and have a relationship with someone else like all of those things were things that we had to figure out like it was a path made by walking for us like we had no idea what we were going to do and and how this was going to turn out but we committed ourselves to reading books like I remember one of the first books we read was The Ethical Slut Another book we read was Sex at Dawn, which talks about monogamy and how monogamy might not be the most natural thing for uh, the human species to um, to to have as like a yeah yeah the one the one right way of of being right yeah and so books like that really helped lay the foundation of what this is. and also give us boundaries to work within, like a framework for us to be in that protected our relationship but also allowed us to express ourselves individually and sexually. So I think it's important for people to know that backstory because I don't I don't and for the record this all of this like this whole process of learning boundaries and dealing with jealousy and figuring out and and being okay with different forms of love and 
and being with other people and the idea of other like dating other people all of that processing took place within a five-year span it didn't happen overnight there was thousands and thousands of conversations that you and I had in order for us to like really get to a place of okay my relationship isn't going to fail because of this right yeah it takes time to process those things and to you know open to really open yourself up in that way I I feel like it's it's almost like you know me in my geeky way I I kind of see it as like if you're trying to stretch your shoulders and open up your shoulders you want to just you know try to stretch them completely open overnight you would destroy your your body that way right and to try to open up our relationship overnight I think would have been very destructive so yeah it is a, a a process that happens over time especially if you know that was the way you were raised and you've never been exposed to anything else um that yeah that's takes time to figure out what what could that even look like in a different way yeah I think it's really important that we took that time that we didn't rush it that we weren't trying to like all of a sudden like go from zero to 90 in like a couple months you know like I remember it taking a long time before I even considered dating someone you know so um and all of that has consequently led us up to here I mean it's been more than five years, our recent adventures in polyamory have been a lot more fruitful in terms of adventures and experiences that we've both had. And so I wanted to create this conversation with you to kind of talk about the things that we've learned in this last round of dating other people. And I mean, obviously, the lessons that we've learned are limitless. I mean, I could probably go on and on for hours, but I thought it would be awesome if we just like picked three of the like major things that we learned in this process of opening up, dating other people, and how those things in these last couple of years have really affected our relationships, both in like really good ways, positive ways, and then also in some challenging ways as well. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go. Okay. So One of the first things that I learned is going to sound really um, simple, but it's so, so much more complex. My first lesson is dating is hard. Like dating people, the whole dating culture, like going on um, dating websites, Tinder, OkCupid, all of those things is really really difficult and I think it is especially difficult for someone like me who I mean I've never really dated I only I mean I had a long-term boyfriend that I was with for three years before I met Jonathan and then I met Jonathan and then we immediately fell in love so this whole idea of dating has was really foreign to me and like being on dates and having that dating dynamic was really really rough yeah, dating is dating is not easy. I thought it was going to be easier. Like I think I I think I had this idea that all I have to do is put something on a dating website, just like put up a profile and then like make the profile sound really good and then I'd get like a million dates and like all of them would be fantastic and wonderful and we would have like wholehearted connections with each other and it would be fantastic and like no that's not how it worked at all I mean I went on a lot of dates with people it just never worked out for lots and lots of different reasons but 
Yeah, I think what what made dating harder was just having our relationship to compare dates to. Yes. Oh my gosh. Speak on it. Yeah. I think when you have a really great relationship and when you're seeking something else out that's more of an addition to that, not necessarily I'm trying to find someone else because something's wrong with my relationship and I'm I'm looking elsewhere and I you know, maybe there's some neediness um yeah. associated with that, but I want to explore something that would be fun and awesome that could be another another thing that I'm you know wanting outside of outside of your relationship that's great that's really challenging because you're comparing it to your your partner that you already have yeah and the dynamic that you already have and you know when you're with someone for a long time like we've almost been together for 10 years and you're dating someone for the first time you're really confronted with that awkwardness yeah that you have when you haven't built rapport with someone, when you haven't built intimacy. Right. And I think that discomfort is really apparent. Yeah, I remember going on dates with other people and feeling really spoiled. Like, because the way that you and I met was so almost like fairy tale, like love at first sight. And then like, we were inseparable. Like there was a heart connection immediately between you and I. And I would go into these dates with other women and other people imagining that it was going to be that quick and that easy. Like imagining that I meet someone and immediately we're going to have chemistry and connection. And I remember having conversations with you being like, man, so dating is really rough. And you would say to me like, this is just dating. Like I, Because I would complain and be like, why is it so hard for me? I feel like I'm really struggling with this whole dating dynamic of like, who pays? Um, how much flirtation are you supposed to have on the first date? How much chemistry are you supposed to, like all of these different things, I just were so foreign to me. And I remember saying to you, like, I feel like I'm just really bad at this. And you're like, nope, that's just how dating is. Like dating, you seriously have to date like a lot of people before you find someone that you really resonate with. I'd also like to add that what added more complexity and stress to this was the fact that we were a couple so we weren't we weren't dating we weren't dating as a couple like we were dating individually but I made sure in my profiles to tell people so I have a husband I have a primary partner he's not going to be involved in our union like you would be only dating me but you need to know that there is a person that I have in my life who is everything to me and he won't be going away anytime soon and I felt like even though that honesty is so important, like it was really important for me to be honest and upfront with people, I honestly feel like that scared people away. Like I think people were just really weirded out by this idea of, oh, I don't I don't really want to date someone who already has someone, even if they were polyamorous. I don't know, I kind of got the feeling that the idea of me being in a relationship already was off-putting for people. So yeah, and that just made dating that much more difficult which was frustrating yeah so that's my number one what's your number one my number one is that sharing our attraction for others brings us closer together and really enhances our sex life and i think that is something that surprised both of us because 
you know, you would expect that I go on a date and I have, you know, this intimacy with someone else or you go on a date and you have this enemy with someone else. Like you're going to come back and all the intimacy is used up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you have this like intimacy bank or affection bank and you spent it and it's gone. But actually what would happen is either one of us would come back from a date and it made us appreciate each other more and the chemistry that we had with each other more. And yeah, being with someone else, it actually adds to the level of um, excitement I, I found. Yeah. I remember going on dates with people and because I am not the type of person to jump into bed or get sexual with people immediately, like it takes me a little bit, but there would be sexual tension between me and the person that I was dating. And that would be really frustrating, but then I would come home to you and like I would be able to release some of that sexual tension on you and that was so fun and it was it was really delightful I didn't expect that either because yeah I had that idea that like there we have a certain amount of intimacy and sexual you know tension that we have in our bodies and then if you give that to someone else your primary partner is not going to get a chance to live that but that was not the case and I, I think that's something that's important to bring up that a lot of times people see people that are considering non-monogamy or opening up they have this preconditioned idea that being with other people is a subtraction from their relationship Hmm. and that I feel like is a very limiting viewpoint and that I feel like that comes from this idea that something is broken and I need to go get it somewhere else. Right. Rather than it being like, oh, things are good and I'm getting something else that's also awesome. So it just creates more awesomeness together. Right, rather than it taking away from that. Yeah. Yeah. So my number two is new relationship energy is a thing and it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, So... I like that one. Yeah. So new relationship energy, for those who don't know, is uh, the energy that kind of comes into play when you're meeting someone for the first time. There's that excitement and that sense of novelty and mystery and you want to be with that person all the time and you're talking all the time and texting each other all the time and you're talking about that person with your partner all the time. Like that's kind of what new relationship energy is and I remember I mean, new relationship energy is so strong and it's so big and it's so fun and it feels so good. But and and it's good for you to to have that when you're not in a relationship with someone. Like I feel it's easier to kind of just be in new relationship energy when you're just single because like mm-hmm. it's kind of a given. But it's a whole nother dynamic when you're in a relationship with someone else and you're coming home and all you're talking about is like, oh she's so cute and like or like she gave me the cutest gifts and I'm just I feel so like it's it's a lot and I remember having we've had had a couple conversations more than a couple conversations about how new relationship energy was kind of making things hard between you and I because I wanted to just like hang out and talk to this person all the time but new relationship energy was taking me away from you in a lot of ways yeah I feel like 
it's easy to get consumed by it. Like it's this fire that, you know, erupts and it's easy to get consumed by that fire. And if you're in another relationship, it's important to really express to your partner that fire that you have for them too, because it can feel like, oh, wow, you have this big, you know, attraction and thing happening with someone else and it can make the other person feel like what you know what is what's happening between us right yeah, now yeah like feeling overshadowed yeah. i remember having to and i don't even know if this is healthy or not but i remember there was a part of me that started to feel like i had to kind of turn the volume down on my new relationship energy like even though I was super excited about someone that I was dating and things were going along great and I enjoyed our time together and I wanted to express that to you, I felt like it was in my best interest and in your best interest if I didn't talk about that person all the time. So maybe finding other friends, like I had other queer friends um, who were also poly or non-monogamous that I could talk to you about that with. And that, that meant that I wasn't constantly processing and getting all googly eyed with you, which I think helped give some space between between us and and between us and the new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, new relationship energy is a thing. All right, what's your number two? One of the biggest ones for me has been you know exploring non-monogamy has really forced me to process my feelings and my emotions at a deeper level, uh, which can be challenging as a man that, (laughs) you know, sometimes has the tendency to see emotions as like, ah, fuck, there's fucking emotion that I have to deal with and I have to process this thing and I'd rather be doing other things right now or there's other things I'd rather be spending my time with. So wait, are you Um, saying that if you're in a polyamorous relationship, there are going to be emotions that come up? Emotions. Lots of emotions. <laughs> Probably. Large amounts of emotions. Yeah, it, it's emotion, right? It creates ripples and waves and disruptions and things that you have to you have to deal with and ride. And that required us to talk about things that we probably wouldn't have talked about or looked at if it weren't for exploring those things. Like, really processing jealousy yeah or shame around wanting you know things outside of our relationship wanting needs met or desires met outside of our relationship and really having to process the way we feel about things like new relationship energy and overshadowing us or having to talk about um things like boundaries and what we're okay with and not okay with yeah and then just logistical things like time (laughs) there's only so much time right yeah so what days are going to be for who and for what and yeah what sexual acts are okay what sexual acts are not okay right so bringing up all these things really forces you to get clear internally about what you're okay with what you really want and it can force you to work through some shadow things that you might have within yourself that you may not really want to have be brought up 
What was one thing that came up for you that was hard? Like one emotion that was hard for you to process that came up because of poly stuff? I think one of the most obvious ones is that maybe you're going to like pussy more than penis. <laughs> really? Right? Yeah, for sure. You know this. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've brought yeah. it up. I, I don't think I've said it in that way. Yeah, no, you haven't. <laughs> just kind of made sense. Um, but yeah, what if, what if you like girls more than guys? What if that's something you find out? Yeah. And what am I going to do about that? What's what's going to happen to me? <laughs> yeah. And having to really trust you and yeah. to, um, you know, be vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, because I love you and because I want you to be fulfilled in your desires and in your queerness. Yeah. And I mean, processing is a given. It's going to happen. We expected that we would be processing and talking and emotionally dealing with the things that were going on constantly as as a part of, of doing this. But I also think that processing can be, and it was at times, a very good indicator of when the relationship was maybe more trouble than it was worth. Right. Like I remember processing certain things and certain dates with people constantly with you like what did she mean by this why isn't she calling me back i feel like she's not really being emotionally available she's not being very vulnerable like having all of these questions come up and it would be kind of like on repeat like we would have the same conversation and the same processing over and over right and this idea of processing as an indicator of it being maybe more trouble than what it's worth came from our good friend Pace, who was like, yeah, you might need to think about how much you're processing because, I mean, some processing is good. It's really good to like walk through things and and to figure out your boundaries and what you want, but think about it. Like how much processing are you spending on one person in a day? Yeah, how much how much processing are you doing and how much processing are you willing to handle in your life? I think right. some people have uh, greater thresholds for how much of that they can do. You know, I know some poly people, they love that. They love processing all the time yeah. and they would happily, if they could not have a job so they could spend all their time like talking about all their relationships and what's going on. But for me, that's, not the case for sure yeah i mean processing can easily be a like a full-time job totally and it started to become that way for us like we were processing more than we were actually being on dates with people yeah and and sometimes it got to the point where we were processing more than we were just being together exactly yeah and it that level of processing started to get in the way of our having a relationship outside of processing right so right when it gets to be that level, I think that's a good indication that yeah, maybe this isn't working. Yeah. Self-awareness is so important with this. Like that's another thing that I learned, like just knowing, being aware of yourself and your own emotions and the relationship that you have, just being mindful. I mean, I think it can be really easy to go on autopilot and be like, this is so much fun and let's go on another day and not really think about the consequences of that. Like the the impact that has on your lover and and your own self 
Um, and yeah, learning self-awareness and emotional intelligence was huge for me. Yeah. Actually, that brings me to my third one, which is attraction is important. And again, like I feel like mine are so simple, but like they're, they're so layered. So for me, I went into this thinking that like because I like women and because I was a new queer, I assumed that if I liked women, that means I'm going to like all women. And it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their personality is. It doesn't matter what their political beliefs are. Like I will find sexual attraction towards them because they're women. And I remember feeling really down on myself after going on some dates with women and being like, wow, she's really beautiful, but I don't feel my loins tingling when we're sitting down with each other and we're talking and we're like getting to know each other. And I started wondering like, am I queer? I don't know because I've been on however many dates now and I'm not feeling that urge to want to like do something sexually with them. And so I started to feel like, well, maybe attraction isn't important. Maybe there's some things that, you know, maybe we just need to wait and like feel it out first. And I mean, that that ended up in, in some cases being true. But for the most part, I realized that attraction is super important. But also one of the biggest realizations I had about this is that I'm demisexual, which means that I'm a person that before I can have sexual chemistry or attraction to you, I have to have an emotional connection with you first. And that was like a huge like mind explosion when I realized that because that made so much more sense. And and now I knew I could put language and, and a word to what I was and what I was expecting out of my relationships. And yeah, it really just affirmed, it affirmed my experience. My last one is that dating really helps you get clear on what you want in your life. Ooh, so say more. What, what I learned is that, you know, dating takes time and energy just like anything else. And there's obviously limits to how much time and energy you have in your life. So unfortunately, when you're dating, it's not always going to be the case that you find someone that wants the exact same thing that you do. And I know for myself, that was one of the challenges. Like I would, I would want something kind of casual, carefree, um, not super serious. And that proved for me challenging to find because the people that I met wanted to fall in love and spend all the time in the world together. And I quickly realized like, that's not what I want. My commitments and my priorities are to you first, my purpose and my friends and my family and dating other people comes, you know, at a lower on my list of priorities. So it really helped me get clear on what I really wanted in my life and to really examine those things because I don't think if I had explored dating in that way, it wouldn't have necessarily forced me to look at like what, what really does matter to me. Yeah. Um, what do I have space for? What do I really want? Who am I compatible with? Like what would that match sort of look like? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, been a big one for me. 
And I think that kind of speaks to the whole idea of being on autopilot. Like, I think it's easy for people who are single to kind of go on autopilot and figure things out as they go along. But like, I feel like with us and maybe with a lot of other poly people and non-monogamous people, like we don't, I mean, we have that luxury, we can do that, but that might mean the detriment of our relationship and of the other things that we have going on in our lives. Like we have to be really grounded and centered in what we want and what we need. And before we can figure out what, we want and what we need like we have to do that self-searching and that is a whole other part of it too like taking time to self-search I mean I think one of the things that keeps coming up in our in this conversation now is like how big this is like it's not just and I think I think when you and I started talking about it and thinking about really putting this into practice it seems so easy on the surface. Just like put up a dating site, meet some people, have some really good times with them, share some experiences, and then you go home. But it's so much more than that. It requires a lot of dedication, a lot of patience, a lot of emotional intelligence, a lot of communication. Oh my God, so much communication. Lots of communication, being willing to make mistakes, figure things out, um, re-examine what you want. Establishing boundaries establishing boundaries all of that stuff takes time and I think what I hear you saying is there's so many different styles of how you can do this and what might work for us may be totally opposite to what might work for someone else you know if you're in this place where you really want to explore and have fun then it may be a totally different experience for you yeah so I think it really speaks to how big polyamory really is because it can look really different based on where you are in your life and the things that you want. Yeah. And the things that matter to you. And you have to sit down and figure that out. Because, exactly. like, I mean, you can go into a polyamorous relationship with someone not knowing, but it's going to be a whole lot messier if you do. Yeah, super messy. So before I let you go, I thought we could answer a couple questions that people have given us about our relationship and our adventures in dating and being married. And one of the most popular questions that came up was, how did we handle jealousy? One of the ways we handled jealousy that I feel like really worked for us is being willing to ask for a reassurance. Yeah. And getting permission to ask for reassurance from each other. Yeah. So there were were a lot of times where you would come to me and say, can you just reassure me that we're okay, that we're committed to each other, that, you know, you're not going to want someone else more than me or whatever. And it, it didn't matter if it felt silly or ridiculous or if you felt like why should I have to get this reassurance again because you told me you know two hours ago but making space for that I feel like really helped us process that jealousy and I also think that we didn't see jealousy as this horrible thing that happened like I mean, I know a lot of people will think like, oh, you shouldn't be jealous. Like if you're feeling jealous, there's something wrong. But like I felt like you and I treated it like 
jealousy is going to happen and it's okay that it happens. It's okay if you have emotions that come up that make you feel really uncomfortable and scared. That's part of the process. And having that reassurance and asking for that um, was really helpful. And I mean, I won't say that jealousy will ever go away for me. I mean, if you went on a date with someone tomorrow, I would absolutely feel jealous. But I think what matters most is what you do with that energy, like after, like, am I going to stew in it and like not talk to you about it and not tell you that I'm feeling jealous? Or am I going to be like, hey, I'm having a really, really hard time right now thinking about the date that you went on. Like, can you give me some reassurance? Just asking for that reassurance. I mean, it didn't completely take away the jealousy, but it certainly helped. And it certainly brought a voice to the hard feelings that were coming up. It's, and it's going to be normal. It's going to be hard at first. But what might surprise you is that jealousy can actually be an opportunity to remind each other of how much love you have for each other right. and your commitment to each other. I think that's something that I didn't expect, but that would often be what happened um, through processing that is just remembering, oh yeah, I really do fucking love you. And yeah. this is pretty great. And I really do trust you. Like I trust what you say. If you say that everything's fine, I have to hold you to that. Another question that we got was, how did we manage our time outside of being married and dating other people? Like, um, particularly like in a way that we didn't compromise our alone time. And that was something that I definitely had a hard time with because I dated a lot more than you did. And I found myself going on dates like a couple times a week with also having my own work, with also having a relationship with you and it took a lot of trial and error for me to realize like wow I'm spreading myself way too thin like I need certain days and it it really got down to getting really like specific and saying for instance Mondays and Thursdays I don't have anything like those there are no dates going on like those are just me days like if I spend time with my partner that's going to be perfect but like blocking out those days on the calendar helped maintain my own sense of sanity because it was getting pretty crazy (laughs) for a while. We had to have conversations about what days are sacred for each other and what our boundaries are for how much time we're okay with each other spending outside of the relationship. Right. It's probably not a good idea to start with if you've been in a relationship for a really long time and you're dating someone to be like, oh, I spend half my time with this person and half my... Or whatever, I think it might be better to start small. And I think that's one of the things that helped us is, um, you know, being being progressive about it and not just thinking that it would be totally fine if we, you know, went crazy with how much time we're devoting to other people. Yeah. And realizing, like you said, for me, I had I quickly realized, you know, there was a limited bandwidth to how much I could time and energy I could spend on another person because it's not just you know especially when you're getting into a new relationship it's not just the time that you're spending with that person it's also the mental space that you're thinking about that person it's time texting them and thinking about what you're going to say to them and then what you're going to say to your partner about what they said to you and you know so it's not just the time management of the actual time that you're together yeah it's the time when you're not together and it's also the time when you're processing those things with your partners. Right. 
And again, that is something that you learn as you go along. Like you're going to have to make a lot of mistakes. I certainly did. I wasn't sure a lot of the time what the heck I was doing. I just thought like, oh, this is great. I'll just go on like four days, four dates a week and that's totally fine. And I realized like, no, that's not fine at all. (laughs) Like that's way too much. (laughs) I need, I need time for myself. I need, and I need to bring my energy and ground back into the relationship that I have with you because that's what's most important first and foremost. Another question is, did our partners meet the people that we dated? And I kind of feel like this is another one of those things where we had to discuss and figure out what was good for us. But I didn't really want people meeting my partner unless I knew that there was a bigger connection on the horizon. Like you didn't meet every single person that I went on a date with, but you did meet people that I had a really strong connection with. I made sure to be very uh, respectful of your time because I didn't want you to be meeting all of these people that I was dating. And then it turns out like a couple days later, we're like, ah, we're not really feeling each other. So I really wanted to make sure that, um, yeah, that the people that I brought home to you were people that I knew really well or as well as I could know and had a sense that we're on the same page, we want the same things, and yeah, we're taking the next step in terms of intimacy together. And that didn't happen very often. Right, yeah, I think you said that really well, and that's what worked well for us. Yeah. Um, You know, for other people, maybe if you're really new to this and you're really standoffish, you might want to meet them sooner you know right whatever you have to go based on your comfort level but right I think for us that worked really well just basing it and I would trust you based on you know what you told me about the level of connection you had with that person yeah what is one piece of advice that you would give someone who is just starting to either venture in the direction of non-monogamy or maybe they they're wanting to do it but they're not sure how like what advice would you give them? I would definitely recommend reading Opening Up. Yeah, by Tristan Terramino. Or Ethical Slut. Yeah, Ethical either, Slut is really good. Either one of those would be good. Sex at Dawn is also really good if you're more interested in the um, the the parts that are a little bit more about the history of sexuality as our human species. Um, I think it's a fascinating look at that. And then I would encourage you to really ask yourself a lot of questions. What do I, what do I really want? Um, what do I feel comfortable with? Yeah. What am I curious about? And I think those questions are going to be different based on whether or not you're in a relationship currently or not, and you're right. trying to open something up that's been long term. I would also ask yourself honestly if you are in a relationship whether you're coming to wanting to open up because this is who you are and it's it's something that you want to explore or is it you're trying to get something because your relationship isn't working because if you're coming to it from that place it's never going to work out well and you need to address your current relationship first absolutely i think the reason why our uh experience with this has been relatively successful is because you and I have such a strong relationship like first and foremost like we have a really good foundation that we've built and I think that 
coming from that place, coming from a place of groundedness and stability in your relationship will help make things a lot better. And I would add to that, like while you're reading these books, if you are already coupled with someone, you should absolutely read them together with your partner. There's, I mean, in in the books themselves, they have exercises and questions that you can bring up and ask your partner. I like this idea of having everyone being in on this and everyone like understanding their part in this and being completely cognizant of what's going on. It definitely makes a big difference if everyone is an active participant. Yeah. I think it's really difficult for it to work if you're in a relationship with someone and they're passive about it and you're the one that's really interested in it. I don't think it's necessarily impossible, but I'm very skeptical of whether that can work very well. Yeah. And the last thing that I would say too is just like, if it's not fun, if you're not having a good time, if you're not enjoying it, that's a really good indication that maybe something needs to change. And it's okay to go in and out of your relationship. It's okay to close it and open it and close it again. I mean, you and I have done that multiple times and relationships change and they wax and wane. And I just think it's important for people to have flexibility. Yeah. To honor, to honor where you are and to not try to force things to be something that you want them to be right now or you wish they could be i think it's really really important to honor the process and to accept the process and when you do that i feel like things will unfold in a way that is better than you could imagine than if you're trying to you know force it to be five steps ahead of where you are yeah be where you are Thank you for listening to the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend. Or, guess what? You can now leave a review on iTunes. That's right, the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast is finally, officially on iTunes. And now you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Just search Sexually Liberated Woman in iTunes and hit the subscribe button. No Sexually Liberated Woman left behind. And if you've been listening for a while and have been loving what you're hearing, I would really love it if you left me a five-star review. These reviews helps others find the podcast, but also helps others find sexual liberation, which is a win-win, I think. As for me, Evian, you can find me on my blog, sexloveliberation.com, where I write essays about sex, sensuality, and erotic power. I'm also on Instagram at evian.whitney, that's E-V-Y-A-N period W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, where I'm capturing moments of brazen femininity and sexuality throughout the day. And if you want to be a sexually liberated woman, go to sexloveliberation.com S-L-W, and maybe I'll be chatting with you about your journey of erotic empowerment someday. See you in the next episode. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.